Hi everybody and welcome back to the Crip Podcast. This is the podcast where me, Johnny and Victor are interviewing and dissecting world-class performers and overall amazing people. And goofy people too. Yeah, of course. But Shit. anyway, you know could what? you um, please tell us a little bit what person we're going to meet today? This person was born with dysmelia and he had to amputate his legs at the age of one. But that didn't stop him from growing up and kickstarting a career in alpine paraskiing. At the age 15, he participated in his first Paralympics, making him the youngest Swede ever to make it into the Paralympian program. He's a rising star in the tech community, and we are absolutely stoked to have him on the show. Please welcome Simon Reisberg. So my name is Simon Reisberg, and I am a double above knee amputee who has studied uh, three years bachelor's in informatics, which is basically uh, a light version of IT, and uh, two more years master's in entrepreneurship and business design. Currently, I am uh, working as a software developer as a part of a trainee program at uh, one of the biggest uh, IT consultancy firms in the Nordics called Every. Uh, you work as a business analyst for three months, then you work as a tester for three months, and now I have been work or I am working as a software developer. All right, that sounds super exciting. Yeah, it is. And it is because you kind of get uh, this kind of overview of <clears throat> the whole cycle when it comes to systems development because yeah. you get a bigger understanding of how everything is interconnected in a sense, and that is something that I'm really grateful to be a part of. Tell us a little bit more about your background. What what actually got you started in this interest of tech? Yeah, so so basically it runs in the family, and my mom is. Um, a business manager in IT systems at Chalmers, and my dad works in a startup in um, as an inter- internet service provider. Uh, he's a CTO there, so that's very interesting. And very early on, I actually got got my first Mac. I think I was like three to four years old, and I started first off. I actually just played games, and I was still interested in computer as such, but I actually didn't start programming until I was 18 because when I went to high school I actually went uh, for economics so I was very focused on studying economics at the university as well but then when the time came when I actually got to finally make my choice I was basically like do I really like crunching numbers all day and then the answer was actually no Uh, and then I kind of got a little bit of panic I didn't really know what to do and then my uh, parents uh, both parents also studied informatics when they were my age. So they were like, yeah, shouldn't you give it a try? I was like, yeah, why not? And then I gave it a try and then I actually loved it. Has the disability affected you in any way how you think about um, things in life? I mean, like, <clears throat> I think that every creep in the world has been there at some part of their life. But my my personality is that I'm very, very forward on everything and I'm very forward thinking. I've never let anything gets me down and actually my confidence was raised pretty significantly in 2014 because then I got my first uh, stubbies it's like small prosthetics that I have and when I got the feeling of walking a little bit I actually felt more empowered in a way but then again I've always been forward thinking before I got them yeah is there something 
painful with with the things that you do? Do you feel that? Do you have any pains in life? Or I don't want to sound like that, but but I don't really feel that I have a lot of struggle in life. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty pleasant about myself, and that is because I've always, I I always go in with with the view that the world almost never adapts you, right? And that means that you have to adapt to the world. And everything I do all the time is me trying to adapt to the world in different ways. And an example of that, you know, me starting to walk with uh, prosthetics, uh, even me trying to get as uh, light wheelchair as possible so I can move around easily and stuff yeah. like that, right? And I always think about, you know, location, especially now when I moved yeah. and stuff like that. So I try to minimize the struggle for myself as much as possible. And I think that that is in every individual's right to actually try to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially since you say that the world doesn't owe you anything, like Never. So um, you have to take what you have and make the best of it. And change. you're, you're the only person responsible for changing stuff. So that's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. I think that's a good mentality to have, especially in, in our situation, so to speak. Sort of turn whatever weakness you have into a strength and, and uh, look for possibilities instead. And, and obviously you have done a lot of discoveries uh, lately uh, in the prosthetic field. Um, I've, I've seen your posts on Instagram, on Facebook, and you now tried a, a running pair or whatever you call yeah, them. Yeah, I, I, I actually got lucky to, to uh, get blades. Um, uh, about a month or two, um, a month ago, I got to try them on yeah. for two weeks, and then I had to wait for my own. And they actually arrived last week, so now I'm out running uh, after work, and that's pretty liberating in yeah. a sense. And that is actually something I want to bring up while we're in this podcast, because depending on where in Sweden you live, it's hard to get different handicap equipment, right? Yeah. So right. in the Stockholm area, it's much easier to get in Gothenburg because I've been struggling for so long to get these running legs, yeah. these blades, and I haven't gotten them. And then <laughs> when I moved to Stockholm, I was just went in and was like, uh, is it possible to get these blades? And he was like, yes, of course. I was like, what? <laughs> Why do you uh, think it's so, though? Why do you think it differs so much? I think it comes down to this solution. I, I have my, my doubts, but I think it's like this. So basically, all the different companies are relocating to Stockholm, right? Yeah. They're moving. The urbanization is bigger than ever, right? And I think, like, because these companies are relocating to Stockholm, there is more people working in Stockholm, and that brings in more taxes. Do you think you can utilize the fact that you're getting cooler equipment and, and better equipment for you uh, in your uh, in your professional life? Uh, could it be a, maybe not an image thing, but could it be something that can empower you, uh, maybe visually, but but in other aspects as well, uh, in in the stuff that you do? I actually think um, it can help me with three parts. So the first and you said that it didn't do something with my image, but it actually does. I, I believe so. The second one, as you said as well, the empowerment. Yeah. And the third one is actually physical. Because mm. uh, based on it, because sometimes when I go to customers, I actually have like long bionic legs as well. So we talked about blades, right? And we talked about stubbies. Those are my short legs. But then I also have regular legs that are kind of have microprocessors in every knee. So it feels like when I'm walking, if I'm about to fall, they kind of save me in a sense, right? And I've been using those for the past weeks now because I actually changed customer in my consultancy firm uh, who I work for. And, uh, (laughs) And when you go into their office, you have this like, what do you call this door that goes around like this? 
The swivel door. Uh, or something yeah, the like swivel that. door. Yeah. And though their their swivel door is very 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 thin, so you can you can't get into it in a wheelchair. Oh, so yeah. the first time I went there, I came there with the colleagues, and it was like early in the morning. It was like eight o'clock, mm. <laughs> and then they were like, "Yeah, Simon, are you sure you're supposed to go in there?" I was like, "Yeah, but what the heck, I can try." So I went in there, but then my back wheel got caught in oh, the actually swirl door, yeah, so. so I couldn't get forward or backwards. So what I had to do is like. I used my arm strength to go up on the wheelchair, and then I jumped out of the wheelchair, stood on my stubs, and tried to drag it back. <laughs> but the more I was dragging it, the harder the door pushed. So they had to call security <laughs> that came and <laughs> came and get the uh, the wheelchair out. Yeah. Um, and my colleague was pretty chill about it. He was like, "It's okay, Simon. I've called security." I was like, oh, "Shit." Um, so after that, uh, I always use my long legs when I go to that specific customer. And lucky for me, it's only one day a week. Okay. All right, but you said that they they um, they have a sensor that tells you if you're about to fall. How does how does that work? So, based on you know the euro function in the phone that basically yeah. tells you where they have something something specific, not quite the same technology, of course, but something specific, and that actually feels if your body's up straight, if it's like forward leaning, backward leaning, or something like that. So it's, if it's very forward or very backward, they kind of freeze in a sense, so you actually can stand on them without the legs bending. So you, I mean, you've you've settled in in Stockholm, and and you work now uh, at Every for 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 a little bit, and you're trying different uh, fields within IT. You uh, said you were trying uh, testing, being one of them, and and uh, you've been at different clients. Um, are you are you putting together some sort of uh, personal development list for for yourself, uh, like uh, professionally wise, or or what's your uh, uh, ambitions, like short-term ambitions now. I mean, you're obviously very driven, a very driven personality. So. Yes. Uh, so so first of all, I, I really want to become a developer. Uh, based on these three different roles that I've been in, I like the developer role the most mm. uh, because right now in this time that we live in, it's it's you can scale things up pretty fast yeah. if you're a good developer and it's easy to, to cr- create something. The problem with me is that I don't really know what I want to create, but based on your question, like what I want to do in the future, I want to create something that helps the world together with friends that I like, that I won't know, you know, won't stab me in the back and stuff like that. Yeah. Because based on my, my master's education, the entrepreneurship one, uh, it's easy to get stabbed in the back, right? Mm. Uh, so it's e- so it's very, you need to know who you're working with. And the thing that I want to create is something, I wanted to create a dent in the universe, kind of, to, to go back to what Steve Jobs said, let's yeah. create a dent in the universe. But I don't really feel that I have to get something out of it from an economical perspective. As long as it's something that helps other people and I do it together with friends, I would be happy with that because I've always been soft-hearted for social entrepreneurship, you know, entrepreneurial stuff that helps people who are in need of something specific. But so, and also on the side of things, uh, one thing I sort of uh, read up about you was that you, at some point, I don't know exactly when, you received a scholarship, right? Yes, so it was when I was writing my master thesis. I actually received a scholarship from Google who was working together with a company called Udacity, which is basically an e-learning company, I would mm-hmm. call them. Mm-hmm. So it was an Android nano degree that it's called, they call them. It's like their version of a bachelor's degree, but mm. much shorter. So you kind of do it for one year. 
So you create all these different Android apps to learn uh, the Google language. I don't know what it's called now. I lost it. Uh, Dart? No. Uh, mm-hmm. Ah, I don't Which remember. Which Google? Uh, Google line. No, no, no. Uh, it's based to create Android apps, not Java. Oh, the, the Android apps. Uh, um, Kotlin. Yeah, Kotlin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I programmed that for, for a year, and that was pretty hard because I was writing a master thesis about algorithms while programming. Yeah. When, and it wasn't like, oh, you can spend one hour a week. It was basically, you need to spend at least 20 hours a week. And that was tough. Wow. I yeah, barely I slept. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any role models? Yes. Um, I have one big role model, actually. And it was actually the guy who got me into prosthetics in 2014. So it's a bio- biomechanics professor in um, on MIT in Massachusetts in Boston called Hugh Herr, and he actually created the first bionic leg that actually listens to your thoughts. So he lost his legs when he was climbing uh, several years ago, and, and by, by, by mistake I actually stumbled upon his TED talk in, um, in the, um, on Christmas in 2013. Okay. And then I was like, I need to learn to walk in order to get those legs. And I actually want to meet him because he is such an inspiration to me. He's very, very cool. So basically, they actually have like these cords that they uh, that they connect to your actual leg. Okay. So when you move different muscles, it actually feels the specific muscles that you move. And then it kind of de- regenerates that movement in the legs. Yeah, All So right. it's pretty cool. So, so you could basically think like, yeah, I want to lift my, my I want to wrinkle my left, the foot and then it does that because as long as you have the nerves and the muscles in your thighs yeah. it feels them how they're moving cool so it's pretty insane it's pretty next level do you feel like there's um there's a possibility in the future that people with disability no matter what disability um will get better aid i don't want to sound too dark but <laughs> based on what i've seen in public opinion also politicians i don't really feel feel that they get the drift Mm. because I get the feeling that they don't understand, for example, the value of social economics, right? So, I mean, like, if I wouldn't have my legs in order Mm -hmm. that allows me to walk and build up muscles and get healthier over time, I would be, like, in a hospital, in a hospital bed, and that costs the states a lot more money in the long run than actually giving me those things or giving us those things. And I, I, I think... I think you need people in politics, you know, like David Liega, that that uh, that um, does uh, drags this forward. Yeah. Uh, that has that perspective in life. Yeah, exactly. Because I, and I, I don't blame the politicians in that sense. Don't misinterpret me, because, I mean, I, for example, would not understand what a blind person needs because I've never been blind. So you know, like it's hard to overlook that, and that's why it's so important to have that representative people in the politicians and in yeah. these high different uh, workplaces, right? And I think it's the same with personal assistance that many people are getting less and less hours for their personal assistance here in Sweden. And that mainly is that, as you say, if it wasn't for that, we would stay at home or at the hospital. And it would cost a lot more than me working 100% with 100% personal care. So... In that sense, we're creating jobs for other people and we can actually go to work. So the social economics in that sense doesn't really work. Yeah, and based on that, you pay tax as well, based on the work you do. So the money, in a sense, goes back to the state. 
But how can we turn that? Do you like if we think a little bit foolish? Uh, obviously, you've uh, you've identified these problems. We all have, uh, and and they are big problems uh, for our development and and for the society as well. Um, is there anything particular that that we can do as individuals, or that you perhaps have been thinking about? Um, maybe I can contribute with this. Yeah, I think this is a good start, the podcast, for example, Crippin Tech, because I think initiatives like this is a good way to sway public opinion and the general picture of how wheelchair users actually are, right? Exactly. So show them that, yes, we contribute to society if we actually get the handicap equipment that helps us do it, right? Exactly. And that will go back to the state or the government again. I think that is most the most important thing to get out there and not, you know, just show like, yes, I am really good at this sport, but basically, you know, show that I can really, really, really contribute to society. We want to bring this podcast and YouTube channel to a place where we can tell everyone how it is and to live this life. And I think that many people out there are thinking that someday it will change. It's great that we actually go out there and show that you have to do it yourself for, for be able to make a change. And get the right people on board, uh, approach them, um, educate them, yeah. um, help them to to think a little bit further, uh, and and tell them about about our needs in order to uh, become creative. Um, obviously, we want to enable people. We want to enable Crips, and and uh, we're in a time now. Well, well, the timing couldn't be better. Yeah. I think, and you see a lot of companies these days that are um, pushing a little bit towards this this direction. You've seen a lot of big U.S. enterprise firms that are they are hiring diversity and inclusion managers. They are trying to make it more, um, you know, calm and more regular to see a, um, a wheelie uh, in the, in the office landscape or a or a wheeler in the office landscape or. Or, or, or someone with a disability. And th that's a good thing. Um, I see it a little bit here also. Maybe we don't have those specific roles in no, exactly. in Sweden. Some, well, those Microsoft and those big firms do have it, but uh, but in the in like mid-sized mid, mid company level, we, we, we still don't. But, but of course, in the best of worlds, a role like that wouldn't be needed. Uh, but but it, but it's a good start to to see these these folks popping up. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Because as you said, they're in the end, like in the best of worlds, they will need it. Because I'm not really a fan of you know inclusion managers. Because when you have an inclusion manager, you send out the message: Hey, there is a person or several persons that needs to be included. And that is like, why does it have yeah. to be like that, right? right? And that is, and I understand your thinking, like. It's hard to sway that a public opinion right now, and maybe it's a good start, but then you will get stuck in the problem of getting out of there <laughs> when you start it, right? But I understand it, and I, I'm not really a big fan of these like different diversity initiatives in that way. I understand that they're good for for public as well, but it shouldn't have to be like that. Like it shouldn't people have would to be need like to understand. Need to understand. Like you know, it doesn't matter if you're have darker skin, if you have lighter skin, if you're a girl, if you're a boy. Like if you have different sexuality, it's like if you're in a wheelchair, it doesn't have to matter at all. Like 
in in media and maybe like take Swedish media for instance the TV networks and so forth uh, we've seen some shows popping up uh, during the last couple of years yeah. or so uh, oftentimes involving uh, people with disabilities uh, and focusing on on sports you were mentioning it before it's a way to become successful in the disability communities to do sports and maybe participate in Paralympics, which you have done actually uh, in the past, which is very cool. Uh, but uh, how do you see, uh, how can media, Swedish media, um, push this in the right direction, you feel? Do you think they should continue on the same path or can they do something a little bit differently? I think Swedish media should try to put people in a wheelchair or with some type of disability in regular, you know, regular different uh, TV shows, for example. Uh, we had this, I don't know who the girl was, I think her name was Luisa, and she was actually a, a pro, she was like program leader, how do you say that? She was a like TV yeah, host, TV host yes. at, at the Swedish uh, children program, Bully Bumpa. Yeah, and I think she still is, right? Isn't yeah, she? maybe she still is. Yeah. And, and that's that's a perfect example on how you should do it, just put put us in there, <laughs> us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just put people with disabilities in there because, I mean, like, you shouldn't have <laughs> a specific program saying, like, yeah, here's a person with a disability, they're doing regular work, congratulations. No, because exactly. then you do it into something special and it shouldn't be something special. That's the kind of, lim- kind of mountain I want to leap over, right? You have to go over there and just... You don't have to talk about it. You just have to think about it's nothing different. How do you define success? I would say that uh, sex. I would see success as something subjective, actually, because I think right now in general people are very focused on what other people think about their achievements and stuff like that, and how. And I think that you are successful when you are happy with what you're doing. And can keep doing it. That's what I think is the most important. How you define successful, right? It can be something you know, like people, or there can be different levels of, of successful, right? So if we play with the thought that I have a very big um, stress level, right? Uh, if I get to manage that stress every day, then I call that successful. Mm-hmm. So basically, right. there are different level levels of being successful, right? So that's, that's what I think successful is, doing something and achieving something that makes you happy. And one thing that struck me from the beginning, meeting you at the first time, Simon, that was actually at our floorball practice here, wheelchair floorball practice here in Stockholm. Okay. It was joining, um, I guess, a month or two after you relocated to Stockholm, showed up. And, and one thing that struck me was your uh, positivity. You were very outgoing, very positive. Uh, and that's a great thing, and I and that kind of triggered me uh, directly, and and uh, obviously that's uh, that's very much connected with uh, feeling success, uh, feeling happy. Uh, but uh, could you could you possibly have a bad day at times, and what would that uh, look like, and how would you turn that around? Because I'm sure you do it like that. Yeah, I mean, like. You have to work with it a lot in order to be able to turn these bad days into good days, right? Mm. But I think I I have bad days, of course. Everyone has bad days. But I think in the end, like, you have to be able to have a bad day. You have to let yourself have a bad day. Yeah. I don't think it's realistic to, like, you switch a bad day to a good day every day, right? So when I have a bad day, 
I usually do something that I really love. For example, I go out and bike. I go play floorball with you. I, I play games or I sit and program. And I think that that is a way for me at least to recharge my batteries. And yeah. maybe someone else has something else that they like to do. Is there a final destination? Um, <laughs> if you would have asked me that like six or seven years ago, I would be like, yeah, I want to go to Silicon Valley and, you know, make millions of dollars every day in a startup and, you know, just drink Yolt Cola. You know? <laughs> but but, but uh, now I'm, I'm older and hopefully wiser. Yeah. And I, I think like my final destination isn't a physical space. I think my, my final destination is a mental space. And I think it's important to, to um, get closure on yourself in the sense that, you know, you need to understand that it's important to do something that you really like together with people that you do like. Yeah. And that, I think, will be my final destination, doing something that I like, that matters to the world, together with people I like. But I, I actually want to try to create a company uh, before I do something else because I want to see how it feels to you know, be in charge in a yeah. sense. But I think I want to gather some... Um, what do you call it? Some um, oh, I lost the word. Some um, uh, experience. Sorry, yeah. There yeah. Is. Some experience, uh, especially in development. Yeah, you're talking a lot about people uh, working together with people that you like, that you feel inspired of. Um, if you are to start a co company, uh, how important would work culture be for you? And would you do anything in, in, in that space, anything in particular? I would say that work culture is actually one of the top tiers that I want in my company, if I would create one, because I want to nurture the type of culture and people help each other instead of, you know, kind of being the ri rivals inside their own company. Like, mm. I think, and right now at my current department, we have that kind of culture and I, I love going to work. Uh, I mean, like you're spending uh, minimum 40 hours uh, a week at, a, at your company yeah. and uh, it needs to be a good place to be. Of course. And I want to nurture a culture when we are basically friends in the company and help each other out if we're stuck on an assignment or something like that. So, Simon, I just have one last question. Is there, is there anything you would like to say to, to a, an individual with a type of physical disability uh, that wants to perhaps do something with their life other than you know just do something with their life, maybe join a, uh, the IT sector? Has, can you, can you say something? Uh, do, do you have any pro tip uh, to this person? Yeah, if we're not being age specific in that sense, I mean, like, first of all, it's very, very simple. Uh, never let your disability hold you back. Yep. I think that if you want to do something, just go out and do it, right? The worst thing that can happen is that you fail, but it doesn't matter how much you fail as long as you learn something out of it. Exactly. That is the most important. I have failed several times and I will probably fail more times in life, but it's important to go for what you really want to do. I think that wraps it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Simon. And if you want to um, listen to this podcast, you can do it anywhere, actually, on uh, Spotify or iTunes. Otherwise, you can go to anchor.fm slash grip. Um, we want to thank AMF Fastigheter and Anna Adamsson for lending us this awesome uh, office space to record us. So uh, a huge thank to Anna. Thank you, Anna. And AMF. Ooh. 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 Ooh.